How does Jack Del Rio still have a job? He can't keep getting away with this. It's time for a reckoning. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to our day after reckoning here on Ref the District. I'm Nathan Perry. That's the stoner. And we are here on the Believe Network. So make sure if you're listening to this on your audio platform, make sure you hit that sub button. If you're here on YouTube, hit that like button and sub up as well. Day after reckoning is where we sleep on it. We come back. And now we have a fresh set of eyes and mm-hmm. a whole new meaning in our life after a Washington game. I would love to have said victory stoner, but as you can clearly see, I am not rocking the Washington onesie. Second time this season. Yeah, it's been a hot, hot minute. Second time this season, Washington has a 17 lead over Philadelphia. Second time this season, they come up short. Mm. I asked you this on our instant reaction, and I want to see if you have a different answer for me now. But okay. what do they have to do to win? They lead the turnover battle, the time of possession battle. They go seven for 12 on thir- uh, third down. Quarterback throws her four touchdowns, nearly 400 yards. You have five yards of carry. I, I just don't understand what they have to do to win a football game. I don't have any better answer for you than I had yesterday, Nathan. I don't know. I don't understand what goes on with this team from week to week. If you just go to last week when they played a terrible defense in the, with the Giants and they scored seven points, this offense did. And the defense shut the Giants down. Giants aren't scary on offense, but they still, they basically shut them down. Gave up 14 points. This week... All of a sudden, the offense explodes for 31 points, could have been more, and the defense can't stop anybody. And now that's kind of been the trend most of the year. The defense hasn't really stopped anybody, but you thought maybe last week they got it together. They fixed it. But it turns out the only three games that the defense has played well has been against Tyrod Taylor, Desmond Ritter, and Josh Dobbs. So that probably makes a huge difference with the type of offenses they're playing. But Nathan, I don't really have a whole answer that's so well scripted and thought out that says this is what they have to do to fix this problem. But I do know this. The defense is really, really, really bad. And that's a darn shame because this team was built, was built specifically to be a strong defense. And that hasn't come through. They've invested so much draft capital on the defense. And just to see it come to this, to where people are getting going to get fired and people are going to get possibly traded and leave via free agency, it's just so disappointing. And all of that, I don't have the answer, Nathan. I just don't. Well, we're going to be talking about that defense here in a little bit, but I did want to start off with something a little bit more positive as we get okay. into the meat of our day after reckoning. Yeah. Offense put yeah. on an absolute show. Absolutely. Putting up 31 points, moving the ball, like I mentioned earlier, five yards per carry. They had time of possession, mm-hmm. you know, so they they had the the one turnover. Sam did throw an interception and, yeah. you know, and it came at the worst time, but bad, bad spot on the field, too. Yeah. And, and so that being said, I thought the offense looked really good yesterday and on the rewatch too i was going through Mm -hmm. it and i was just like they are very efficient moving the ball they did a great job integrating that short passing and a short quick passing game that kind of supplements the running so even though they had sub 20 runs on the game again you could look at that passing game and go okay Mm -hmm. this is where that's that four yard catch that six yard catch that's running the ball it is. I agree. So, what about it? Is this is this offense back? Because we've seen them score thirty points before. They mm-hmm. scored thirty points against the uh, Eagles four weeks ago. Right? Is this the offense we can come to expect, or 
is Eric Bieniemy just pulling from the Super Bowl playbook, and that's how he's able to do this? Like, what's going on? Yeah, I think there's a few things to look at there. First of all, they made some they made some personnel adjustments on the offensive line. One by necessity, which was Sadiq Charles getting hurt at left guard and bringing in Chris Paul. The other one was they actually benched a guy, and they benched Nick Gates. Put him put him on the bench. Says we can't. We're looking at the tape. You got to have a seat. And they put in Tyler Larson. But the best thing that they did, as you talked about, is they they started implementing all of these short passing plays, which I don't care if it's you and I out there trying to block for Sam Howell. If you have short passing plays, the defense is not getting to Sam Howell. It's just that's just the way it is. That's it's the type of plays that work well in flag football or eight on eight, the type of football that you see where you have very few linemen, because if you're getting the ball out, it the defense can't get to the quarterback. So they implemented that so much more in this game, and that helped immensely. And then what that also did was it brought safeties up. It brought linebackers up to try and stop that because they were so successful at it. And then what do they do? They go over the top to Terry. They go over the top to Jahan. They go over the top to Byron Pringle, which was incomplete, but still it was going over the top. But you did it at the right time after having so many short passes. So the numbers are still way out of whack. The, the run-to-pass ratio, this one was 14 to 55. You're not going to get away with that, regardless of how many short passes that you have. So that's what they did. They did personnel-wise, and they did scheme-wise, which we've been screaming for for five weeks now. Change up the scheme, and you won't get Sam hit. And it proved to be super successful. It was. And, and you, brought, you bring it up the uh, fact that those – wide receivers were running free mm-hmm. and they were, I mean, there were so many plays that we just had a wide receiver who was behind the entire defense. And yeah. this is a wide receiver core that has some significant speed. And I mean, you're even getting like Jamison Crowder back there, right? Like, you, you know, and it was just fantastic to finally see this offense kind of humming. It was unfortunate to see it kind of just fell flat there at the end you know they 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 I mean they did put up still 14 points in the in the second half 17 in the first half 14 in the second half but one of those touchdowns came very late considered mm-hmm. garbage time I mean it's less than two minutes you're down two touchdowns they did yeah. score within 50 seconds and it was a heck was of a nice. throw oh heck of a throw beautiful beautiful catch mm-hmm. you know and it gave them a shot at least right because they can get the onside kick and try it again didn't work out but at least, you know, they moved that, but it was at the end, they had several opportunities to go tie this game up yeah. and they failed. And it was key, key people who were failing, right? Sam Howell's interception, Terry McLaurin, a drop on third down, then a drop on fourth down. 100%. At last, last week, it was Jahan Dotson, you know, dropping a either would be first down or would be touchdown. Mm-hmm. And now here we go with Terry McLaurin. I I wonder what the psyche is of the team when it happens like that. Jahan Dotson bounced back and he had himself a game. Sure. But now we have Terry McLaurin kind of dropping. What is going on behind the scenes that, like you mentioned, defense has been Jekyll and Hyde. The offense has been Jekyll and Hyde. And these players haven't been consistent either. Or, uh, either. So what's going behind behind the scenes, Stoner? Yeah, it it is is very much in these players' minds when things like this happen. When Jahan Dotson drops key passes two weeks in a row, it gets to him. Now, he obviously bounced back, and that shows a lot of um, internal fortitude. I think that's the, the right word, the right phrase, that he was able to just put that behind him. But then you have Terry doing it. And now Terry, we know Terry. Terry's had a drop here and there before or whatever. It's not something that he's going to carry over. But it just so happens that when Jahan's balling out and Jameson Crowder's balling out, that this is the week that Terry has a couple of drops. And you have to think, when are these guys going to be able to put it together? And then you start having that doubt creep into people's minds in terms of on the offense. You can't help but think that it's going to affect their play not necessarily overall, but 
on a play-to-play basis. They can certainly feel like the pressure that's going on. They feel that pressure, Nathan. They feel the 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 dismay of the fans or the anger of the fans of seeing this team sitting at three and five again. And they're ticked off too, but they feel the pressure that they need to perform. They know their coaches' jobs are on the line, all this money that's on the line. There's a lot of pressure going on inside that room, and you can't help but think that maybe that's causing some of these players to not perform up to their ability. Well, not performing up to their ability is the defense hmm. or this uh, this Washington team here. Four first-rounders on the defensive line, one yeah. at linebacker, another one that is your first-round pick this year who you've had to bench, and then you throw him out there hmm. against one of the guys that is the reason why you benched him. Mm-hmm. He is not able to cover A.J. Brown right now. Okay, no one's been covering A.J. Brown right. this season, right. but let alone Emmanuel Forbes. Yeah. And now I will say, Emmanuel Forbes definitely, he was tugged, okay, on the one touchdown grab that him and Quan Martin ended up on an A.J. Brown poster. He okay. was abs- absolutely got his jersey tugged. However, there's no excuse there was the uh, earlier one that brought them to the first down or the, the one yard line. They ended up fumbling mm-hmm. on that one, but AJ, uh, AJ Brown just did. It was kind of like a triple move. He made it look mm-hmm. like he was going to do a stop and go. And uh, Forbes is like, Nope, not going to full f- fall for this. I'm going to go back. And AJ Brown then, you know, went forward for like two steps and then stopped, got the ball and got it down to the one yard line. What couple is of, Jack Del Rio thinking, Stoner? <laughs> that that's that's a good question. But a couple of things that you just kind of went over that I want to revisit a little bit. The first one is the fact that AJ Brown made three moves on that one play that he got down to the one yard line. Well, you know why he was able to do that because there was no pressure on the quarterback, and that's the job of those defensive linemen is to get home. And but the other thing, a little silver lining, you know, bear with me here. Okay. Emmanuel Forbes fought and he took down AJ Brown at the one yard line, right? He Mm -hmm. fought, he didn't give up. You we've seen guys give up on certain plays. Remember Saquon Barkley when he scored on that that play last week, and guys were just not really going hard at him. Emmanuel Forbes went hard at AJ Brown and kept him at the one, and they ended up fumbling on the next play. And Washington got it. I know that's not great that he even caught the pass to begin with, but the fact that a, that Emmanuel Forbes didn't quit on that play and gave them another chance, gave the defense another chance to make a play, and they made a play. So those are just a couple of things about that. But overall, defensively, I can't figure out why everything is going so bad. And like you said, why did Jack Del Rio have him in the game at those key times sometimes one-on-one with A.J. Brown. It, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Again, he played five plays, Nathan, mm-hmm. five snaps on defense, and two of them were going we one-on-one with A.J. Brown. <laughs> yeah. That Just, doesn't make sense to me. That's coaching. That's 100% coaching. Do I think it's coaching that the four first-round draft picks can't get to the quarterback? No, that's not coaching. That might be – that might be um, – uh, talent evaluation or lack of talent evaluation. Maybe they shouldn't have been four first round picks, although I think they should. This is just one of those things, but, but you can't say that the four guys are not getting to the quarterback and therefore that's on the coaches. Yeah. Cause it's not on the coaches that they can't get there. And, and I will it's, say on the, on the rewatch, Jack Del Rio was throwing blitzes in there on the regular there was more than a four-man rush coming after Jalen hurts this game where we didn't really see that last game right we saw against the philadelphia eagles they were content on just rushing four and -hmm. they were getting beat the the four as far as those four up front it is frustrating because we talked about this during the play-by-play you have to win your one-on-one if you if you are an all pro if you're on the nfl top 100 Mm-hmm. Right, which two of them are. Mm-hmm. You you got to be able to win your one on ones, and we're not seeing that enough. I still think Jonathan right. Allen has been performing very well this season, 
but he's not been playing at the level he was last year. Deron Payne has always been, you know, enigmatic because he has these monster series. Like if you remember, he had an entire three and out by himself, mm-hmm. you know, earlier this season, but then he also yeah. disappears for long periods of time. And so it's, 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 uh, it's frustrating for him. Montez sweat has been consistent, but he really, he's not a, a very special defensive end. You know, mm-hmm. I think he's a very good defensive end, but not a Agreed. special one. Right. And then chase young has shown signs of mm-hmm. being special, but he was invisible against yeah. the Eagles last and, night or yesterday. And you know what, Nathan, they already fired the defensive line coach. They fired him, what, in the offseason, right before mm-hmm. training camp? I can't remember the timing of it, right? They fired – that was Ron's buddy, right? It was last year, right? When Okay. No, I think it was this offseason. I think it was prior to the beginning of this year. That's when I feel like it was because everybody was wondering why they haven't. And then they promoted uh, Scanina to – he was the assistant defensive line coach, and then he made he went up to defensive line coach. Yeah, it was 2022, August of last year, Mills. Okay, so it was August of last year. My apologies. Mm -hmm. But they've done that. They promoted Skinina. They brought in Ryan Kerrigan to help out. They bring in Warren Sapp in the – Talks about unity. And I thought we saw improvement last year, but we're seeing more of the same this season. And the way too early film study, and I haven't done a full film study, but I watched a lot of Chase Young in this game. Nathan, it was not good. It looked like, you know what it looked like? You know when you're in training camp and you're doing drills, but it's not your drill. It's like quarterback <laughs> drills, but you still need to have defensive linemen and offensive linemen out there to to fill up the field and make it look real. And mm-hmm. they just kind of go 50%, not even 25%. I saw a lot of that from Chase. Yeah. Now, kind of defend him, but not really. He's going up against an all pro in 6'8, 375 Jordan Mayalata. Or I think that's his first name. Whatever. It's Mayalata. And he's a massive human and he's an excellent lineman. But hello, step up to the challenge, Chase. Yeah. Take that challenge on and say, you know what? I'm going against the best. I'm going to show him I'm the best. And I didn't see that. I saw him lackluster stand there. And, and I'm serious. It was like my lotta would, would get up to block or whatever, and then he would just kind of stand there like this. Stand there, not blocking. Stand there because Chase wasn't doing anything on the plays. And I saw that multiple, multiple. I can count more than what I'm showing you right here, times I saw it. And I'm going to do a full review later, but that's totally unacceptable. Yes, uh, it's, it's bad. Grant, Grant Paulson player. tweeted out that uh, PFF had him at three pressures and three hurries on the entire What's the difference day. between a pressure and a hurry? I've been wondering that forever. My my guess is... Um, <laughs> pressure and there's a hurry. I, I, the I, I'm really not sure what yeah. the difference is here. But I mean, as the only one... Maybe, a, maybe they're like, because I'm looking at this. Yes, yeah, so... A all hurries are a pressure, but not all pressures end in a hurry. So uh, if you look, blah, 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 blah. so so the it's here's the square, here's the square rectangle thing, right? Okay. So Allen pressured six times, pain four, sweat four, young three. All of Young's pressures ended up in hurries. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sweat had three hurries in a sack. Those are his four pressures. All of Payne's four pressures were hurries. Allen had those six pressures, two of them were QB hits, and four of them were hurries. Hmm. Do you understand that? Does that make Kinda. sense a little bit? It, so everything, all, bit. all of them are rectangles. All all pressures are rectangles. <laughs> and then you got to fill that box up with, uh, with the different things. So was it yeah. just a hurry? Or was there a sack? Was there a QB hit? You know, batted this- ball? I don't know. Like, it, it's it's... It's frustrating that those are the stats for your defensive line. Yeah. And, and it's frustrating. Casey Tuhill is nothing special. Right. But this guy's got like three sacks now in 
you know, 40 snaps on the year. Like, come on, come on. Why can't we get that out of, out of the guys that are being paid the money, the ones who are looking at being traded right now, you can't perform so we can get a Leonard Williams deal. My goodness. I mean, we'll Mm. talk about that in a little bit, but I have some frustration more frustration i need to vent out here Stoner. okay and, and the a lot of people on the defense because a lot of people are like well phil you expect philadelphia to score you don't expect philadelphia no. to score 28 points in the in the uh, second half which by the way it was even worse than that this was a 17 17 game in the yep. fourth quarter yep it definitely was with Washington having the ball. If I recall correctly off the top of my head, I, I'll have yes, to look you at that one. I, I, wrote nine, it down. Yes, I was like 98% certain Washington has the ball 17 all game in the fourth quarter. And somehow some way they give up three touchdowns. Yeah. Seven you, 17 to go in the fourth quarter. It was, that's when they scored to take the lead 24, 17. So at 7-18, it was 17-17. Also with this, the Philadelphia Eagles, by the way, have played eight games this season. Two of those mm-hmm. have been against Washington, and they've scored 30 points. That leaves six games, Stoner. How many of those six games have they scored 30 or more points? Two. Oh. Two. So it's at least yeah. a little bit better than that. Yeah, okay. That, that means half the time that they're scoring 30 or more points has come against Washington. So it's not, this isn't, and, and this is what Mike Gill was even telling, talking to us about, right? He said, this is not a very explosive offense. You know, they can mm-hmm. make plays. They're just, but they're really just kind of going through the motion this season, but against Washington, they could put up 28 and a half. They could put 21 up in a quarter. And in it's a, in seven minutes In basically. seven minutes. And it, and it's just, and that's what frustrates me because it's just like, no, this defense was supposed to be the one to stop high-powered offense. This mm-hmm. was the top five defense from last year. Yeah. Looking like bottom five defense this year. Oh, worse. Probably Washington, bottom three. Washington's given up 30 points to the Broncos, the Bills, the Eagles twice, the Bears, and they've looked abysmal for half uh, the time that they're playing the Falcons and the Giants, because while they had a great second half against the Giants, they looked poo-poo in the first half, giving up 14 yeah. points to a team that hasn't been able to score a touchdown in weeks. Four right. weeks it took them to t- score a touchdown. They scored two against against the commander's vaunted defense. And that's what yeah. frustrates me here against the Eagles is you have them at 10 points both games. Washington looked like it was firing on all cylinders this Sunday against the Eagles. And then even in the, through the third quarter, I will absolutely take a 17, 17 tie after a 17, 10 halftime lead. Okay. Going into the fourth quarter with you driving, you score the touchdown. Your defense just has to continue doing what they've been doing all game. And they disappeared. Hmm. It's brutal. And there's no real explanation for it. You can, if you ask, you're going to get a hundred different answers. You're going to get the DBs are bad. You're going to be the, get the linebackers are bad. You're going to get the defensive line is not putting enough pressure and they're bad. You're going to get coaching on the defense. You're going to get head coaching. You're going to, you're going to get people to blame uh, the previous regime because they brought in most of these guys. I'm talking about the, the ownership regime and the, in the, and all that. So, it's it's bad all the way around, Nathan. Defensively, it's really bad. Offensively, there's some promise there because it's a new quarterback, but uh defensively, there's just no excuse. There's no there's no way, there's no injuries, major injuries that you're dealing with. I mean, Cody Barton being gone is not the backbreaker for the defense. Uh Derek Forrest being gone is not a huge blow to the defense. You've got your six first rounders are all basically a hundred percent healthy and that is not why injuries is not an issue either so i don't know it's all of the above just this team man this team <laughs> at this point this going great. into this game stoner yeah it was it seemingly make or break as all the reports going into this game were if they do not win against the eagles it's mm-hmm. time 
to sell off some pieces as the trade deadline is Tuesday. Yeah. And we've already got our big first uh, trade of the trade deadline. And it's in division. Leonard Williams being traded to the Seahawks for a second rounder and a fifth rounder. Mm-hmm. Important to note here because this is something we've heard a lot about the Washington players is they won't be able to get much in return for Montez Sweat or Chase Young because they do not have a long-term contract. Leonard Williams doesn't either. He has to be re-signed after this year as well. Mm-hmm. Big name there for the Giants. Washington has a few names floating around. I mentioned Montez Sweat, Chase Young. Of course, Chase Young's other concern is his injury history and whether or not he can continue performing at a great level. Jacoby Brissett has been uh, floated out there. Hello, Minnesota. You just lost Kirk Cousins. Maybe float us a fourth. So probably not going to get heartbeat. probably not going to get much more than a fifth for Jacoby Brissett, but yeah, you, you never know, right? Because uh, they are actually in the seventh round, you know, the seventh seed right now for the mm-hmm. NFC, and so they're going to need to make some moves to be able to stay there. Interesting enough, Washington only one game behind one of the five teams that are kind of in contention for it. So, are the Commanders? looking to wheel and deal or do they look at that and go because this is ron rivera from from his first season 2020 washington's what one and seven and he's just like well we actually have a a chance to win the division so let's keep everybody and let's roll the dice here and see if we can do it and they end up backing into the playoffs do they do they roll the dice and trade or are they going to roll the dice and keep people because they're going to do a mid-season push there's so many permeations to this, Nathan, that it's it's hard to tell what's going on behind the scenes. As much as you don't want your owner meddling, you want to keep them out of it. With Ron Rivera being the head coach and the general manager, basically the final say on everything, he knows he's gone. The ownership knows he's gone at the end of the year. Do you want him making those decisions? Do you want him to say, uh, I'm going to Either either or, am I going to trade guys to get draft picks? Do I really care because I'm not going to be here? Does the owner want him doing that? Do you want the owner stepping in and making those decisions? What if Ron says what kind of you were just alluding to is that, look, we're one game out of the playoff spot. I'm going to go get some guys. I'm going to go give up future draft capital, and I'm going to go get a couple of guys that are going to help us, an offensive lineman. Um, a, a linebacker, whatever. I'm just throwing things out there. What if he does that? What if he says, I have all the power, Mr. Josh Harris. I'm going to do, I'm going to bring guys in to help my chances to win. So there's that. It's just so hard because it's kind of like at the beginning of the season when Josh Harris came in and or before he came in and you were trying to get free agents this off season. Well, who's paying? Who's not paying? who's making decisions, who's not making decisions. It's the same kind of thing right now. It's so in limbo with kind of the, the who's in charge hierarchy that there's no way to tell what's going to happen. Who's going to make a decision and who's not, I don't know. So I I have no idea if they're going to make any moves. John, John Kime had tweeted out about how the ownership group will absolutely kind of stick their fingers into this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, he, maybe not so many words, but that's what he said, right? He was talking about how, you know, cause that's one of those things that people have been talking about stoner was, you know, we've said it right. Ron Rivera is trying to win ball games. So he's mm-hmm. not looking to deal pieces that are going to help him win ball games. Yeah. And John kind kind of replied to that saying, okay, that's fair. Except for the fact that the Josh Harris ownership group still has to, you know, look They're at this and be off. like, what our team is uh, looking at. So they Mm -hmm. will, he says they will actually have some involvement here and maybe help guide Ron Rivera and the Martys to a decision that works for their team. But it's Mm -hmm. interesting because if they go in and they're like, no, you're going to trade these pieces away, that does absolutely signal to Ron Rivera and company, like you're not sticking around. Right. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you'd have to have an unbelievable run for you to be able to stick. And we're going to, we're going to cut you off at the knees while doing so. Yeah. So it, it, it'd be interesting to see how the season plays out when that happens. And I, I think it's important to also say just because a Montez sweat or chase young 
or because uh, what's his Glazer incorrectly said John Allen. Uh, and mm-hmm. if one of these guys gets traded, it's not the end of the season. Okay. Sure. We've, you're not just throwing it in, throwing in the yeah, towel. They're still going to play. They're still going to win games and we're still going to see a pick in the low teens. That's just what this team is. Um, They have a shot at the seventh, but it's going to be, I I've absolutely come around to the idea that you have to get something from these players. Washington's not going to sign both of them. They might not even sign any of them to a long-term deal. And you're not guaranteed a comp pick. That's the other thing that people go to is like, oh, well, you'll get a comp pick, so you need a third. Well, hold on. They've got $80 million in you know cap next year. They're going to be mm-hmm. spending some of it. Yeah, some of that's going to come with their own players, but you're still going to look outside, and when you buy outside, now you have to have you know this this uh weird formula and it's going to go through and nobody and, knows how it works yeah. the formula. and and then you're not even going to see that draft pick for another year you're not yeah. that draft pick doesn't come in 24 that draft pick comes in 25 right and i and so when looking at that it's just like if you feel we have pieces to win now trade to get pieces to help win sooner right you know giving up a sweat if you could get a second or fifth, you got to do it. Oh, a hundred percent. You have the deal. To do it. The deal listed for him right now that I've heard um, from the NFL sources. And I can't remember which one had tweeted this one out. So I apologize for not being able to give credit here was a third with a conditional two. If he signs long-term to that team, mm-hmm. take it. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, take it. You got to. That's yeah. a guaranteed, possibly a top 100 pick right there within the third round. And then you bump it up to a second round. He's going to get signed long-term. Whether or not he gets signed long-term to the team he's drafted, that you can't predict. But yeah. it's usually a good indicator. Team Players tend to like staying in locations that are familiar. And if mm-hmm. he gets traded to a team that can be a contender, He'll probably sit there. Now, Atlanta is the team that's been rumored very heavily that he's uh, that they're targeting right now. Atlanta mm-hmm. did start the guy's name. I can't mention or didn't start him, but did play him. And they could potentially go on a run with a Montez sweat. If nothing else, that's where Montez is around from. He changed his, like, I think it was his Instagram profile to have the 404 area code which is the atlanta area and everybody Mm. was oh he's being traded to atlanta or maybe maybe he's just going back to his roots and he knows that there's a lot of a uh bluster going around his trade thing but what so we we both agree that the third and a two is fair for montez what we take it the third and a two or the third third, the third that would go to a two that yeah if 100 percent. what if Chase Young for Chase Young, someone offers you a because of the injury history, mm-hmm. a fourth mm. conditional third. Done. Nathan, you could have said a bag of gummy worms. I would have said done. <laughs> and I and is that I'm recency bias because of this game. Uh, uh yeah, for sure. But but let let's be honest with all of these guys that you're consi- that the rumors are out there to include Jonathan Allen. And Deron Payne is not rumored in there simply because he just signed this past offseason. They haven't made, they're not difference makers. They're complementary pieces. Chase Young is not a difference maker. I'm sorry, y'all. It's been four years. It's been two and a half years on the field. Stop with the injury caveat. Stop with the injury excuses. He's two years removed from the injury. Two full calendar years removed from the injury. If he's not fully healthy now, he never will be. This, what you're getting now, this is the Chase Young you're getting. He's not a difference maker. Montez is not a difference maker. John Allen can be a difference maker if he has enough pieces around him as well. But they're not difference makers. They're just not. So I don't mind if you trade these guys and basically blow it up and start all over or do it in the offseason or do sign and trades, or do you know sign to the uh, the the tag and then trade them, 
All of those things are on the table. I would really want my new regime to do that, whoever the new uh, GM and the new coach is going to be. I'd rather they do all of that wheeling and dealing. But if you've got offers on the table now that are fairly decent, you do it. Because they're not going to change the way this defense is playing if it's gone. They're already giving up 30 points a game. If you lose Montez Sweat, they're not going to all of a sudden give up 40 points a game. They're going to give up 30 points a game again. It is going to be very interesting, and we'll keep everyone in touch and in the know as far as what's going on with the trade deadline. That is going to be on Tuesday, so check out tomorrow's Daily Commanders update where we will absolutely be talking about what happened. We'll see if there is a trade. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen a firing so far, which we were you know, fingers crossed for. Normally, we don't call for people's jobs. but Yeah, we don't, but- I don't like doing that. You're right. Yeah, we we don't normally like that, but I will say I'm absolutely baffled that there hasn't been a change in the front office level, right? And in in the staffing or something like mm-hmm. that with how this team has gone so far. That's all I'll yeah. say on that one. Uh, let's get to the go-go's and no-go's, our versions of studs and duds. You know, Stoner, I like to end it on positive. So let's hit these no-go's here. Yeah. Who is your no-go for week eight against the Philadelphia Eagles? I kind of already did my rant already, but just watching the tape kind of casually, but watching the tape of Chase Young made me want to throw up. The effort was absolutely not there. And you can throw all these, these stats at me all that you want, all the grades and the pressures and the QB hits and the even the sacks. I think he's got five on the year whatever it is, he's on pace for about 10 double digits. What I saw yesterday on tape against a team that you're you're trying to, I mean, you, you're hanging with the whole game, I saw zero effort. Unless it was an automatic passing down and he was going to go after the quarterback, then you saw him go after him. But he would get out of his lanes. He There was no effort. If the play could be right in front of him, and he was not getting into the, that scrum. He didn't want anything to do with any sort of contact. And I'm kind of tired of the giving him the excuse of his injury. Oh, it was a significant injury. It was different than anybody else. It was two years ago. This is who he's going to be as far as his health. So Chase Young is my no-go, and I, I, was, I was really upset watching that film, uh, yeah. watching his effort. There's definitely plenty to be upset about, and I'm try- I was trying real hard to figure out where I should focus the blame. Of course, Jack Del Rio getting a lot of hate. Again, sure. I mentioned how oh, bad see? this defense was. Yeah, I like what you're doing, Nathan. You're pulling something from my uh, playbook. Um, but I'm after Ron Rivera is taking the podium, and 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 they're asking him, and he and he talked a little bit about this yesterday as well. But the no the no call or the no challenge okay right sure. the it, it was it was kind of frustrating that he didn't do it but yeah. then he starts talking about why he didn't do it and he's like uh, well i was waiting for it to see see it on the big board something's broken stoner so yeah. if you have to wait to see it on the big board he, he said he's like i'm waiting for somebody to tell me about it too it was just like you gotta i you he trusts his gut so many times. Was his gut just telling him, well, oh, I can't throw it because I haven't heard anything. Ron Rivera is going to be my no-go for this one. I, I And I, I think it's just because it starts at the top and the, the, and the defense collapsing is on him and the offense sputtering at the end is on him. Fair. And the fact that they just did this and I hated and hated seeing him hovering over Eric Bienemy's shoulder and mm. a and the late part of the game where it's an intense down and everything and you could just see how awkward everyone felt yeah and i hated that but yeah ron rivera with a no challenge especially with his excuse for it that's that's my no-go for this game when you watch baseball and i don't know what the rule is in baseball but when they want to challenge to play i think they have like 15 seconds to challenge a play and and they don't go to those full 15 seconds. They've got somebody up there watching it. Mm-hmm. The instant it happens and is ready to tell them to challenge or not challenge. Why Washington doesn't have that 
and why he's waiting for somebody, it shouldn't take that long on that particular pass to Devontae Smith. It, it should have been an instant challenge. And for him to say he's looking up at the board, it, it's inexcusable. Or, yeah. or call a timeout, right? Call a timeout right away. And as they're coming over, the officials are coming over to talk to you. That's more time stalling for them to get in your ear. And then when they get over and they say, you know, I do want to challenge that that play. That's happened plenty of times. So, yeah, you're right, Nathan. Yep. That was inexcusable. System's broken. Inexcusable. Yep. He had a mm-hmm. challenge later when Jahan Dotson caught it, and they uh, they reversed it up in New York somehow at two minutes and five that seconds. Was, that was still, odd. Still, still don't know. Still don't so, know how that happened, but it happened. Let's go to our go ghost stoner. Okay. I, I pulled the stoner, so I will allow you to pull a stoner because I've got – half a dozen that I could potentially name as a go-go here. No, I'm not going to pull a stoner. I have one in mind and I'm sure you know who that is. And, and because I did watch every single snap of Chris Paul because I wanted to see how he did. Cause I watched every single snap last year against Dallas in that game. And I watched every single snap it's preseason against Cleveland. And we even put out a video on that a little, not a film session, but just all of his plays. Chris Paul was fantastic in this game. He gave up two plays that I saw that were just not great. And one of them was on the pass to Pringle that he mm-hmm. overthrew just a little bit that George, that Jalen Carter beat him. Okay. And that's Jalen. Car- but I watched him go one-on-one versus Jalen Carter and stymie him over and over and over again. And I watched him get out on these, these uh, uh, screens. Now he wasn't great on the screens, but he was out there and he was hitting people. I thought he was great in this game. And then what really ticked me off is to see his PFF grade of a 44-something. I'm out on PFF grades. I'm out. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, Nathan, I'm out on PFF grades. I like their data, their their true data that they put together, where you can see all the information. But as far as some guy sitting in his computer saying, this is a two, this is a one, this is a negative one, this is, I'm out. Because I watched every single play, and to tell me that he was a 44 is horse crap. But So Chris Paul was fantastic in this game, and I hope he continues to start. We've been calling for it since the Dallas game last. Hell, we've been calling it, calling for it when Andrew Norwell was playing left guard last year. Yeah, and well, we you actually him- listed him as a no go several uh, several times because it's like, right. how bad do you have to be <laughs> to, to not, not a- replace Norwell yeah. or you know? anybody and that goes on coaching too to 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 continue to put Sadiq Charles out there to start him whatever and have him not do well and continue to have Chris Paul inactive first game active he was he was excellent PFF only recorded four hurries led up by Chris Paul in 60 something snaps yep right and he gets a 44 yeah I imagine imagine some of that's probably with the those those screen games washington ran a lot of screens yeah uh, this time so maybe maybe it had something to do with that well you know i I don't know pff's business but i will say that it was very odd as chris paul nobody does chris paul looked great he looked he looked phenomenal uh maybe not phenomenal but i mean actually no i'm gonna go ahead and say phenomenal because he's going up against Jordan Davis, he's going up against Jalen Carter. These guys mm-hmm. have been wreaking havoc all year in yep. the interior, and he looks the part of an NFL left guard. All we so, heard, uh, all we heard about Jalen Carter is how foolish these eight teams in the draft were to pass on him mm-hmm. in this draft and fall to number nine. I think it was nine to Philadelphia, and he's now. It wasn't every play that it was Jalen Carter, but in the times Jalen Carter was in there, I think Jalen Carter won one matchup. Yep. And Chris Paul won all the others. And that's a testament to how he played. And I hope to see him there the rest of the season. Uh, Well, Charles will be or is on IR. So I imagine we'll at least see Chris Paul for the next three games. And then we'll see whether or not Ron Rivera does that. My go-go. I mentioned other. You could go a lot of places with this. You you get, um, Joey Sly. Can I guess? By the way, before personal you say record. 
you can mm-hmm. you can guess. Well, if I start rattling off a whole bunch, then I feel like you're going to have names that are knocked off. Yeah, that's so right. go ahead and give me your guess, and I'll go ahead and rattle off here. So I you now know it's not Joey Sam Sly. So, so Joe, Joey Sly hits a personal record of 61 yards. He had to kick that mm-hmm. one twice. Stoner on our play-by-play tries to jinx him, saying, "Well, he made the the fifty-five, so you know he's or fifty-six, so you know he's going to miss the sixty-one. Nope, that's he how nails, you know jinxes aren't real. And he hits that <laughs> he hits that sixty-one yarder personal record for him, and that was that was great. Sam Howell, fantastic stoner, nearly four hundred yards, four touchdowns. I'm only hesitant to give him a go-go because of that untimely pick, and then. Yeah the sack fumble at the end of the game. Now, Wiley absolutely just got blown up by Hassan Reddick. So, you know, you can't completely blame on him. Sam Howell's pocket presence was vastly improved. Vastly not improved. not just the quick passes, you know, that they were doing, that the offense, that was Eric Benemy scheming it up to try to help out his young quarterback. But mm-hmm. the times that Sam Howell was staying in the pocket, he was feeling the pressure a lot better. But he's he's Agreed. not my, my go-go either my go-go is gonna be Jahan Dotson oh, for no for James Crowder had a heck of a game yeah he, he did. did uh we were asked um by someone on our Facebook channel our Facebook page is Crowder gonna be good pickup in fantasy and I told waved him off I was like no 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 don't like this was a this was a mirage, like just because he got the good one. Curtis Samuel has a lingering injury, and you're seeing kind of Crowder see the field a little bit more. But don't ex- do not expect that from Jamison Crowder. So maybe Jamison Crowder should be a go-go. And if he is your go-go, make sure you hit us up in that comment section. But Jahan Dotson was somebody who we railed on last mm-hmm. week because he has had an abysmal sophomore season. The sophomore slump seems to be real for him, and he dropped a very catchable pass that ended the game against the Giants, a winnable game against the Giants. And he's dropped passes at untimely times throughout the season. And we've been given to him some just criticism. Mm-hmm. Well, this game he showed up and this game he performed very well for the Washington Commanders. He was getting back to those filthy routes that we've seen him run. He was catching the passes that were thrown to him. He did not drop that one that was reversed from the New York office. And so I'm not dropping the ball and I'm giving him my go-go. Fair. I like so. it. I like it. Final thoughts, Stoner, as yeah. the Washington commanders have to put this loss to bed, back-to-back mm-hmm. division losses and head up north to New England. What are your final thoughts here? Well, I think my final thoughts are are fairly simple in that um, the the coaching that has been going on this year, and you can say it's been going on for four years, but this year it's been ex- uh, extremely uh, just discombobulated in terms of what they've been doing week in and week out. As we say on our live stream all the time, it's not rocket science. If you have a struggling offensive line and if you have a young quarterback, you have to help them out. And finally, they helped him out. When you have a defense that's giving up a lot of runs, you should probably go to your Cinco package. And then they go to their Cinco package and they stop the run. And there's other ways to see that we as fans seem to see and the coaches don't. Like, I promise you this, Nathan. Next week, we're going to hear about somebody who's going to be up in the booth and it's going to be their sole responsibility for replays to to get that message down to the coach they're going to fix their current way of doing things but it's too late it's always in response to botching something and so this coaching staff is obviously on their way out but i do need to see some accountability at some point i need to somebody see somebody take a fall emmanuel forbes is taking a fall on the defense on offense nick gates is taking the fall uh for the offense like i said somebody needs to take a fall in the coaching staff. And I don't even care if it's the assistant uh, defensive line coach. Wait, that's Ryan Kerrigan. I don't care. Somebody needs to take a fall and be held accountable for this and not just have them sit back and do whatever without having the accountability. They have to have the accountability to us fans who are paying their salaries. 
that's my final thought. Washington needs to figure out who it is at this point. And the trade deadline is not going to help things because they're either going to ship people away or they're going to decide to keep everybody. But when it comes next week to the New England Patriots, is this the team that they're bringing, the one that could put up 31 points in a game? Or is this going to be the team that only put up seven points against the Giants, which will differ an opinion on how good their defense is? The um, But the, you know, is this the defense that holds teams to under 20 points? Or is this the defense that has given up 30 points four times this season? If I can just off the top of my head remember, sure. right? So what is this team? This New England team that they're about to face is not very good, okay? They're not awful. They're probably not as bad as their record indicates, but they're not a good team either. Well, correct. Washington's not a good team either. Again, again so correct. can they at least show us some consistencies? Week four, Washington plays a NFC champion, a Super, a Super Bowl team into overtime. They come out and they lay a stinker against one of the worst teams in the league. Mm. This time they go toe to toe for three and a half quarters and then flustered down the way. Can they bounce back and get a victory against another not so good team? Or are we going to see what we saw against the Chicago bears for our sakes? I really, really hope we see more of what we saw this game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Let us know what you think you'll see. We're actually going to be talking about it. we got trade deadline on Tuesday. We've got our live show on Wednesday. We've got a DCU daily commanders update on Thursday and Friday. We'll have that preview for you for the New England Patriots on Saturday. So make sure wherever you are listening to this that you are subbed up. I'm Nathan Perry. That's the stoner. And until next time. Someone's got to be held accountable. Be a fan. Here we go.